The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. There has been a lot of talk about it, and it does appear that Ottawa and Washington are going to extend the shutdown at the border for another 30 days until at least August 21st. Uh, the current deal that bans all but essential travel is set to run out a week from today. Recent polls suggest Canadians are strongly opposed to reopening the border anytime soon, which isn't surprising given what is happening with the surging numbers in the U.S. How do you feel about it? Let me know on the text line. You know the number 780-496-0063. Now here at home, uh, what do we need to do to be prepared for a potential resurgence? We have seen numbers rise in Alberta since we entered phase two of the relaunch. And Premier Kenny says the province is ready for a potential second wave. So while relaunch is well underway, our public health response remains strong. Public health officials continue to test broadly and respond swiftly anytime a new case is detected. Dr. Hinshaw and her colleagues are watching every new case and outbreak closely and constantly assessing the risk to Albertans. We are prepared in the event that a second wave does arrive. This spring, Alberta Health Services uh, freed up beds rapidly to ensure we had capacity to address a potential surge in new cases. So we've done the drill and our health system is ready and able quickly to expand COVID-19 capacity if we see a surge in cases later this summer or in the fall. The Canadian Medical Association has been watching all of this very closely and providing guidelines as we've moved through the past four months of the pandemic. It has now laid out what it calls five critical issues that the country needs to address. Dr. Gigi Osler is the past president of the Canadian Medical Association. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'm curious to know um, your overall uh, opinion or the, uh, the the CMA's opinion on, on how Canada, how the provinces have done so far in handling the pandemic and, and the response to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you touched on it in that earlier discussion that you just had with reopening the border. Mm. We have done a good job in Canada of flattening the curve. And all you need to do is look to our neighbours to the south And you can see what could happen when people don't take the threat of COVID-19 seriously. And so I think in these summer months, one thing that we are seeing is COVID fatigue. Mm -hmm. People are coming out of the restrictions. They're wanting to go to the lakes and the beaches. They're not physical distancing. And across the country, we're starting to see some slow upticks in the number of cases. And so really the key message right now is we need to learn how to live with COVID-19 in our midst so that our kids can go back to school safely in the fall, so that our businesses can open and stay open safely and we can learn to live in this new normal. It's, it's really about right now, I think, finding a way to, to balance, as you say, the fact that, you know, we are living with this virus and it's going to be with us for quite some time and what it is that we need to do to uh, keep moving forward. And, and so that means not letting our guard down. And I know that was one of the things that the CMA has said, and we've heard it from the chief medical officers of health here mm-hmm. in the province. We've heard it from the premier. But I think, you know, you talk about COVID fatigue as well, Dr. Osler, and I think as, as you 
mentioned, some people are just looking at going, hey, the numbers aren't that bad here in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not go to the beach? You're saying, mm-hmm. come on, pump the brakes a little bit. There is a way, and you said balance. There is a way we can balance the pleasures of life and normal life with what we need to do to keep the virus down. And it is a slow increase in cases, but you don't know if that slow increase is suddenly going to go Mm -hmm. exponential. And so some of the things that we can do as individuals wash our hands regularly, don't touch your face, physical distancing. And and that may be increasingly important as we learn more about the virus and how it's spread. So that two meters apart is important. Wear a mask if it's advised, or if you are in a situation where you can't keep your distance from other people, mask wearing, a lot of the evidence is showing it can help. And then Stay at home if you're sick because you don't want to be spreading COVID-19 or other Mm -hmm. viruses at this time. Doctor, we're seeing other countries, for example, uh, France, the president there wants masks to be worn in all indoor public spaces starting August 1st. Britain is making facial coverings mandatory in all retail stores. What is the stance of the CMA when it comes to wearing masks? We have been following the public health advice from the experts, both federally and then nationally. And I think what we're seeing as time goes by, we're learning more about this virus and how it spread. So prior to December 2019, I think most of us can honestly say we've never heard of this virus. It's new. And as we learn more about it, we're learning more about how it spread. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the recommendations, especially around masks, evolving and changing. And so across the country, you see different levels of advice regarding masks. So Toronto, Ottawa, masks indoors. Other cities, I understand Calgary's thinking about it. Um, Other jurisdictions are also looking at the evidence following the advice of the public health experts and then giving out the best advice that they can for the local situation to protect people's health. One of the um, one of the other items that we've been hearing over and over again about how important it is to to combat this virus, to deal with this virus, and certainly to control outbreaks, is effective testing and effective. Mm-hmm tracing, contact tracing being vitally important there as well. Um, Widespread testing, Alberta has actually done a a fairly good job by the numbers, by all accounts, as far as uh, the number of tests that they're processing a day, sitting at around 7,000, 8,000, and it's a a leader in a lot of, um, you know, parts in this country. But you're saying more needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And and you're absolutely right. So some of the strategies that other countries have used that have really got COVID under control um, is a robust test, trace, and isolate strategy. So you test as many people as you can, definitely people with symptoms. Uh, And if you can test people who are asymptomatic, Mm -hmm. do that. Testing materials is in short supply. So test as many people as you can. And then there's the tracing part. And the tracing means that public health officials contact everybody who has come in contact with somebody who's tested positive. Mm -hmm. 
and you get a notice saying, hey, you've come in contact with somebody who's positive for COVID-19, stay home, isolate, monitor for symptoms. Because you don't want those people to potentially be infected and then go about in their community and unknowingly spread the, the virus. So that's the isolate part. And definitely if you're sick, isolate and stay at home. And so that's that second part. We as citizens are doing as much as we can to try to prevent spread of the viruses, but our governments, our public health officials also need to have a really robust test, trace and isolate strategy in place. Dr. Osler, do you believe that enough is being done? Does the CMA believe enough is being done right now to um, to make sure that the people on the front lines of this, working in the hospitals, maybe working in the long-term care facilities, have enough equipment that we that we are taking uh, good enough care of their health and safety? Mm-hmm. And that is one issue that we are trying to make sure we always keep in mind, but our governments keep top of mind. Um, our healthcare workers, our frontline workers, our essential workers, do they have the personal protective equipment to protect their health and safety? And certainly we heard at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of concerns about personal protective or PPE shortages. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, most of Canada was spared an overwhelming surge and across the country we've heard of different um, companies scaling up to produce PPE locally because when you're in a global pandemic the global demand for it goes up. Certainly we saw a lot of the hospitals prepared but the long-term care homes, the community homes less prepared and so as we move into the fall and as we prepare for a second wave we need to keep in mind that we need to protect not only workers in the hospital but the workers in the community settings the workers in group homes the workers in long-term care homes they were left unprotected in the beginning and we can't let that happen if there's another wave and dr Gigi osler joining me this afternoon she is the immediate past president of the canadian medical association as you've heard uh, they have uh, put out five five items that they believe uh, five critical issues that the country needs to address as we head into a potential second wave dr osler thank you for holding on uh, through the break there we we touched on um, PPE and making sure that our frontline healthcare workers um, uh, had what they needed when they are whether in their hospitals or in long-term care facilities what does the CMA believe needs to be done to protect um, you know those folks in long-term care facilities those in marginalized communities we know that the death toll has been much higher in our in our senior in our senior age bracket in the long-term care facilities and it seems like this is just you know you peel back one layer there's another layer and another layer and it just seems like there's so much work to be done on this front Mm -hmm. and you know i mentioned before the break that our hospitals for the most part across the country were spared an overwhelming surge of patients uh, sick with COVID 19 and as you just mentioned our seniors in long-term care homes really bore the brunt of infections. And and that may be why the hospitals were spared because people were sick and died in long-term care homes. They didn't make it to the hospital. So part of what we need to think about, and we're having these conversations with government and other health officials, is how do we protect 
are seniors in long-term care homes. How do we protect people who live, for example, in community settings? Part of that is making sure that their workers have access to PPE and they're not uh, inadvertently bringing in the virus and spreading it from patient to patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also seen some in some settings where workers have been working in multiple care homes and spread the virus from one care home to another. And so some jurisdictions have said, if you're going to work in a long-term care home or a community care home, you work in one care home Literally, and you're not going yeah. from one to the other. So ongoing conversations we're having and, and certainly we're seeing in other communities like First Nations, um, homeless populations, a lot of really good work that we're trying to support in terms of access to uh, PPE for the people that work with them and good testing, tracing and isolating capabilities. We know that um, when the first wave came through, when 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 provinces, countries, um, you know, first started to deal with this and trying to prepare uh, for it, we saw we saw surgeries being put on hold, we saw treatments being put on hold, um, and now there's a, a bit of a, a catch-up game going on. If we um, are about or could potentially see a second wave, what does that mean for trying to catch up once again if things have to be put mm-hmm. on hold. We know that a hospital here, the Misericordia, facing an outbreak, all sorts of things have been put on hold there. You know, um, in balancing that delicate fine line of other health issues, potentially, uh, you know, life-altering issues that that uh, could be paused once again. Mm-hmm. And part of our uh, ability to have responded to COVID-19 so effectively in the spring was the fact that we put everything on hold. Mm-hmm. So surgery, procedures, doctor's visits all went on hold in the very beginning apart from the most urgent. And that meant a lot of people had to put their health on hold. And now the system is trying to play catch up. We don't know how many people have been sickened because of the delay. So moving forward, yes, our hospitals and the healthcare system does have a surge capacity. And that means the ability for the healthcare system, especially our hospitals, to deal with a sudden surge of Mm -hmm. sick patients. But the more surges we have to deal with, so if we have multiple smaller surges, or if we have one big overwhelming surge, everything procedures, surgeries, doctor's visits may have to get put on hold again. Yeah. So part of moving forward, part of learning how to live with COVID-19 does mean following the recommendations of our public health officials to keep the number of cases down, to keep transmission and spread in the community down so that the hospitals don't have to go into surge mode again where tests get delayed surgeries get put on hold, doctor's visits get canceled. So it is finding that balance, just like you said, of how can we continue to go about some type of new normal life and not put our health health on hold and still keep the virus at bay. That's the tricky part we have to find this summer. 
I, I had a, a question come in from one of my listeners, and it says, you know, simply, if I'm wearing a mask, say, at the grocery store, and I'm one out of a hundred wearing a mask, am I still better off? I think so. I, mm-hmm. I will tell you, so I'm calling you from Winnipeg. Yep. And in Manitoba, uh, up until today, we'd gone 13 days without any new cases. And today we had five new cases. So even in Manitoba, we still got a little bit of the virus going around. Hopefully not much. So here we aren't mandated to wear a mask. It's recommended if you can't physical distance, wear a mask. Uh, but I've started to wear mine whenever I go out. Um, you know, not if I'm going to the hospital, if I'm going to the grocery store. And I'm doing it more to protect the people around me. Uh, yeah. If we both wear masks, then we both protect each other. But wearing a mask does help protect people around me from any possible spread from me. So I'm doing it because I think that's my, you know, my responsibility um, to others. Before I let you go, I just this has been on my mind in the last little bit, and I know that um, there's been some concerns raised. I know Wounded Warriors Canada has waved the flag on this one a little bit, and some other organizations as well. And I think the CMA actually has uh, as well. I, I'm concerned about the mental health of, of those frontline workers who've been dealing with this uh, from the get-go. Do you, do you believe that there's enough in place, or do we need to do more to make sure that they're taken care of on that front? Definitely an issue that we are keeping track of um, for all healthcare workers, not just our physicians. And we heard a lot about the stress and strain and the toll that was taking on frontline healthcare workers in in the beginning of the pandemic. Now I was hearing stories of people who you know moved into a hotel or moved into yeah. the spare room above the garage. People who would come home from work have to strip down in the garage go shower, wash themselves thoroughly before they could even give their kids a hug. It's still there. And part of the concern is if this is going to be a marathon virus that we have to deal with, because it's not going away anytime soon, how can we continue to keep the health and safety of our frontline workers at the top of everyone's mind? Part of it is actually keeping the number of cases down. So part of it is the public health measures, the hand washing, the mask wearing, the physical distancing. Because if we can keep case rates down, that will help protect the physical and mental health of all of our frontline healthcare workers. Certainly, if there's another big wave and a big surge, PPE uh, and shortages of PPE become another big stressor. Uh, but we're hoping with the domestic production of PPE with keeping community transmission of the virus down, uh, we can maintain our healthcare workers, keep them going at a good pace and not overwork them with any big surges coming our way. Dr. Osler, it's been a a pleasure speaking with you this afternoon. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks so much and I hope everybody stays safe. Yeah, take care now. Dr. Gigi Osler, the immediate past president of the Canadian Medical Association.